God bless the church. God bless you more. Que Dios bendiga la iglesia. Que Dios le bendiga más. Tonight we're gonna start off with a with a short video, amen. I gave it to media, so like that is a two minute video. We're gonna watch that, and then we're gonna continue with the with the series of Who Am I, amen. Let's watch. Satan as a roaring lion is on the prowl, convincing people his label is true and permanent. He seeks to defeat us either through shame at our label or pride in our label. But God provides for us a new identity. He calls us loved, forgiven, justified, accepted in Christ. He calls us by our names, and He calls us to Himself. When Jesus died on the cross, He paid our sins in full. The redemption He offers is so much more than just erasing the sins of our past. It's also giving us a new identity, today and forever. Yes, Satan continues to battle. Christians and churches sometimes struggle. The courts and legislatures are attempting to redefine right and wrong. But the gospel changes lives. It is only the gospel that can change lives. The world and the devil may want to label us, but it is the Creator who gets to define and name His creation. You are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are. Amen. Tonight we continue with the topic, Who Am I? By the illustration given in the short video, this is how most people live their lives. In bondage, peer pressure, and self-destruction. If not quickly confronted and identified, the question, Who Am I? can turn into a lifestyle. How much more would this affect a child of God that doesn't resemble the traits of the father, of a Papa, of Abba, of Otongsan, of Baba, of Pai, Japanese, Africa, Portuguese. You see, identity stands as one, and no matter what language we use to interpret the word father, it will always bring us back to the original meaning that it always intended to be God. You see, the biblical meaning of the word identity is defined in terms of God does to us and the relationship he creates with us and the destiny he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we can make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. Tonight we are here to inform you that the DNA of our father does not carry the identity of loss like you've seen 
in the video the identity of rejection the identity of unloved hopeless ashamed worthless broken or religious nor is it an identity of captivity so why are we still identified and associated with things that keep us in chains of darkness is my question if I can have media um, just put something light in the background for me please like an instrumental no not that one uh, instrumental so why are we still identifying associated with things that keeps us in the chains of dark so am I Matthew 7 24 27 I'm going to give you that scripture Matthew 7 chapter 7 verses 24 to 27 says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand the rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. I'm going to repeat that one more time, just so you can see where I'm getting. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain came down the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with great crash first of corinthians six nineteen reads do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the holy spirit who is in you? Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. In other words, the body that was given to you is for the possession of the Holy Spirit. You are now flesh form property of the Holy Spirit. How do we allow the Spirit of God to take possession of this temple when there is still an unknown identity that speaks to God, the creator, the one that formed us and says, I will share part of me, but I can't surrender the whole me. How are you building your temple? What are the materials being used to build your temple? Who is giving you the instructions to build your temple. Who is working with you? Where is this blueprint? How is the foundation of your temple? And overall, what is the purpose of your temple? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house, temple, on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. 
Let everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house, temple, on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, the and beat against the house and fell with great crash. The contrast here is threefold. A wise man is one who hears the practice upon the foundation of the rock. The foolish man does not practice these sayings and builds upon a foundation of sin. As a greater master counselor, Jesus reminded his listeners that hearing this message alone will not change your life. He must both, he must both listen and do what Jesus has said. The elements of the closing illustration are drawn from the simplicity of nature itself. The rock, the rain, the wind. I'm going to just do that just a little slower. The contrast here is threefold. The wise man is the one who hears and practices upon the foundation of the rock. The foolish man does not practice these things and builds upon the foundation of sin. As a greater master counselor, Jesus reminded his listeners that hearing this message alone will not change his life. You can come here Wednesday. You can come here Sunday. You can come here Monday through Sunday and just listen. It will not change your life. But both, but both listen and do what Jesus has said. So when you listen and you take it and then you go out and activate it and you live it. The elements of the closing illustration are drawn from the simplicity of nature itself. The rock, the rain, the winds. The rain pictured here is of natural storms. However, it is implied as relating to troubles and persecutions of life. The man whose house collapsed was at fault. Not because he failed to labor. Not because he failed to labor. But because he did not lay the proper foundation. Sound doctrine. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not only the resurrection center, not only your local church is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but the individual believer's body itself also is a temple which we have from God. Notice the thought here is indicative, not imperative. Paul is not telling them they can become more spiritual by receiving the Holy Spirit. The fact is they already received the Holy Spirit. It dwells within them. The blessed fact that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit has two sides. One, that he is ours and the other, that we are his one identity. Let's give God a, a hand praise. I fell in love with that part right there. The blessed fact that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit has two sides. One, that he is ours. The other, that we are his. This is one identity. So why are we still identified and associated with things that keep us in chains of darkness? Who am I? Romans 7, 17, 24, the Apostle Paul says, So now it is no longer I who do it. That's Romans 7, 17, 24. And if you want me to slow down, just say, Minister, slow down. 
I get passionate and the, the blood starts flowing and I just can't contain myself. Romans 7, 17, 24 reads, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at my hands. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law war, raging war against the law of my mind. I have to repeat that. But I see in my members, in my body, the law raging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Ratchet man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. The Apostle Paul is in a position that we all live in. He is saying, I know that I have to do what's right. I know that I come to Sunday services and I hear the preaching of the end times. I know that I'm receiving topics of who am I of the power of the tongue, but I still care. I, I, there's a fight in me. There's a fight in me. I don't know what's going on. There's something that is an identity of God in me because I feel God, but at the same time, it's these temptations and these sins and the tragedies that's going on in my life that it's a fight with my mind. I can't understand what's going on. Ratchet man. I am a ratchet man. I can't get it together. I can't get it together. Ratchet man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Who am I? Seriously, church, who are we? We can't even identify what or who dwells in this temple that we call a body. We can't identify it. We come, we receive deliverance, we come and we praise God, we come and we do this over and over and over, but we fall into the same traps. Who am I? Paul exclaims what a ratchet individual a believer is when he has not gained mastery over sin. Oh, ratchet man is an expression used in pagan Greek drama to express scorching and woe. We are in with self and those that the flesh every opportunity get, their temple will turn into ruins. One thing that I can guarantee is that Satan will not stop. Temptation will not stop. The troubles of life will not stop. Violence will not stop. Sicknesses will not stop. Persecution will not stop. In fact, it will get worse. But here's another thing that I can guarantee. And that is that in the name of Jesus, you hold the power and authority to stand firm during any of those situations. And you hold the power to heal the sick. You hold the authority to cast out demons. 
Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you the authority to tremble on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So why are we still identified and associated with things that keep us in chains of darkness? Who am I? Matthew 14, verses 22 to 27. Matthew 14, 22 to 27. It reads, Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten by waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. Verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. If I can have media play the winds now. We're going to have fun with this, all right? Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before them. We can put it up higher. So Matthew 14, 22, 27. We're going to read this now with a little bit of help from the signs. Raise it up just a little higher for me, please. We're in the sea. We're getting beat by the waves. It says, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by waves. For the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered them, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to walk on the water. You see, hear the waters. 
the fourth watch. Meaning it was dark. Walking at the command of Jesus, Peter builds a foundation where no foundation has ever been found on waters. At your command it shall be done, but then at the sight of the winds. So this is what happens. And this is what happens in our lives too. That we ask Jesus, at your command, have we do something that is naturally impossible. Because what men have that you know that I know other than Jesus that has walked on water. So at your command, Jesus, give me a job. At your command, Jesus, deliver me from the sin. At your command, Jesus, allow me to have a relationship. Allow me to have these things. At your command, Jesus. So Peter told Jesus, if it's you, at your command, I will walk on water. But this is the reality of our lives when we don't have that identity. Who am I? We ask Jesus, and we're going to keep that name for the sake of what we're reading. And we ask Jesus, at your command, I believe. And he starts to build foundation on water. And he starts to move. And every step is stirred. At your command, he's looking at Jesus. And he gets close. But what happens is that we begin to follow the word of Jesus. But we start to see the winds. And we start to hear the winds. And we start to see the reality of the natural realm. And all of a sudden, we lose our focus on Jesus. And we begin to sing. And we say, Lord, I am going to sing. Help me. After Jesus assures that it wasn't a ghost, but in fact it was him, Peter answered in his impulsive manner. This part of the story is recounted only by Matthew, on whom it must have made a deep impression. Remember that he was in the boat at the time. The story isn't presented as a parable, but an actual event involving three miracles. Jesus walks on water, Peter temporarily does so, and the wind ceases immediately. But wait, there's more. Mark 4, 38-40. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them on the boat. So the disciples took Jesus with them on the boat. Just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat. So that the boat was already filling. But he was in the, in the stern. Jesus was. Asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the winds and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? This is another situation where the disciples was once again with Jesus. And they had to wake up Jesus. For the protection. 
Because why? Because they were terrified. They were scared. Men of the sea were scared of the sea. They must have envisioned something that they never visioned before, but knew that Jesus had the authority to save them and to calm every situation that was taking place in their surroundings. So they go and they wake up. Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that we're going to die? We're going to drown? Wake up, Jesus. And Jesus is looking at them. Do you not hold identity? Have you not been walking with me? Have you not seen these miracles? You still have no faith was the question. Thank you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I said, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Loss of identity will have you question your faith. Confidence is to be firm. Hope is an expectation and desire for a certain thing. Assurance is a positive declaration intended to give confidence. You see how that recycle? You saw how the word faith, biblically, the meaning of it, and when you look at it in a, in a man-made dictionary, is in one accord. And it recycled. It recycled the same word. Now faith is a confidence and what we hope for in the assurance that we do not see. Loss of identity will have you question your faith. Confidence is to be firm. Hope is an expectation and desire for a certain thing. So we are confident, right? We're confident that this is going to go this way. And we hope because that's how we desire it to be. That the outcome would be the way that I'm walking in confidence. I'm going to go into this job interview and I'm going to get this job. Because God knows that I need to provide for my family. So you walk in there, you're in confidence, you're walking with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to ace this job interview. That's just an example. So you walk in confidence and you're firm. And you hold with expectations for the desire for the certain thing. Assurance is a positive Declaration, because remember, it's an assurance about what we do not see. So you don't see the job, but you're already declaring that it's yours. Insurance is a positive declaration intended to get the confidence when you want in there in the name of Jesus to get that job. To get that healing, to get that deliverance. You gotta believe it. This is how we hold faith for what we do not see. Identity is to hold faith for what we do not see. Second of Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I put somebody should have told Peter. Somebody should have told Peter. They should have said, Peter, you're walking. You're almost there. Peter, Disregard the winds. Keep firm. You made foundation on water. 
You lay foundation on water because you ask Jesus at your command. I will walk in confidence. I will be firm. And I will hope in expectation and desire for that that is impossible for me in the natural. But Jesus blesses me in the spiritual to make things possible because we hold the same identity we are God. Assurance is a positive declaration intended to give confidence. Let's go back. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Peter, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Take hold of the storm, Peter. Take hold. They should have told him. <laughs> take hold. Take possession. Do not wake up, Jesus. Let him sleep. He's done so many things throughout the day. And that, that was the problem here. The problem here that when, 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 when Peter, this was not part of the study, but when Peter comes in and asks Jesus, Jesus, at your command, I walk on water. It's just because he's seen a miracle happen beforehand. And I'm going to leave it like that because I think it's the one, but they're recording. So, <laughs> in case I make a mistake, <laughs> you don't hold me accountable. No, no. Listen. Take hold of the storm, Peter. Take hold. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practices like a what? Wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with great crash. We are in a topic that can only result in one thing. That we must decrease for Christ to increase. Our fears, our anxieties decrease. Our pride, selfishness decrease. Our insecurities, our will decrease. Thank you. Our jealousy, our envy decrease. Our worries, our doubts decrease. Our flesh, lust, and sin decrease. Our loss of identity of not knowing who we are in the hands of our Creator decrease. John 3.30 says he must increase but I must decrease John the Baptist said it the best let's give God a hand clap hand praise clap praise just give him a round of applause I learned this from pastor and you pick up you pick up good habits and I, I come from from a background where like water was forbidden to drink, and so I was like, "What am, what am I gonna do when I get thirsty and I'm preaching? I lose my voice." The pastor says, "Give God a round of applause." He goes, "God answer my prayer." <laughs> John three twenty five and all says. That's John chapter 325 and on. It says, now a uh, discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew of purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he 
who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I've said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is, I tell you, the word of God is significant. You can just come and read chapter after chapter. He who comes from above is above all. He who is on the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in a earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this. That God is true. For he for he whom God has set utters the words of God. For he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see light. But the wrath of God remains on him. The biblical meaning of the word identity is defined in terms of what God does to us in the relationship he creates with us, in the destiny he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we can make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. What a model we have in John the Baptist. John 3.15 says, as the people were in expectation, and this was before the verses that I just read. As the people were in expectations and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Identity is defined in terms of what God does to us and the relationship he creates with us and the destiny he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we can make known who he is. Our identity is of making known his identity. In conclusion, in order to activate the question, who am I? You would have to make it personal. You would have to make it personal. If there is still any doubt in your mind that your identity shouldn't resemble the identity of God, I leave you with these verses. Psalms 139, 13 to 15c says, excuse me, for you formed me, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am 
fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Church, you can finish reading the words of David. That was in Psalms 139. We can play that song. And if we can all be on our feet. And as even before I was preparing for this message, this song that I asked Brother Chris to put has just been a stop to me in my life. And I just I just wanna I, I want the walls to hear it, Chris. I want I want the neighborhood to, to hear it. I wanna the members, the members of our bodies to hear it. Praises rise from the inside. From the inside. 